In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, amen. Blessed fourth uh, Sunday of Kiak. Today we hear about the birth and circumcision of St. John the Baptist. And back in the old days, during the time of circumcision, is when the name of the child was announced. So nowadays, you can't leave the hospital without the name being written down and everything on all the legal documents. Back then, the, the baby didn't have a name for eight days. And then on the day of circumcision, there was a service. And in that service, the name was declared. And so just put yourself in that situation. Everybody's going to celebrate the birth of St. John. Remember, Elizabeth and Zacharias was a very special case. So even the people who weren't very close to them, this was a big deal. She was very, very old. Zacharias was, a, was a, a, like one of the, the priests in the area. And so this was a miracle that happened. So everybody wanted to kind of see what's going on. Like they, the whole area went to celebrate. And in the Bible it says, and as we know from tradition, it says that they expected the name to be Zacharias, the name of the father. Just This is the normal thing. They went in and they expected, I'm sure on their way there, they're talking about it. Oh yeah, this is baby Zacharias, he's coming, and they're expecting that. And then all of a sudden, the, they declared his name is John. His name is John. And something happened there. People were confused. People didn't understand. What do you mean his name is John? Where is that? Like, who in their family, in the family tree, is named John? Where did they get this name from? And the people kind of murmured. But this verse stood out to me. And it, it's, some, it's one of those verses that sometimes we skip past. It says... Verse 66, and it says, And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. What kind of child will this be? Something strange is happening. This is weird. Different name, unrelated. What kind of kid is this? What kind of child is this kid? Where, who is he? What's he going to become? Like he's not taking his dad's name. So what, this is a strange thing. And this question, what kind of child will this, will this kid become? Is something that we could use for us now on the last day of the year as we begin the new year. As we begin the new year, we have to also think, what kind of person am I going to be? What kind of person am I going to be? And I love that the fourth Sunday of Kiak talks about the birth of St. John as we begin the new year, because there's no better example of somebody who is different than what the world says, somebody who is completely focused 
on his goal and his calling than St. John the Baptist. And we're going to see here, I'm going to read the little passage at the end of the, the reading today before I get into some points. But basically, I want to just read the prophecy of what Zacharias spoke of when he was speaking about St. John. He says, So he spoke about God, and he spoke about salvation, he spoke about how he was going to be a prophet, but then he speaks specifically about the child, and he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through tender mercy of our God, with which they spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his, manif of his manifestation to Israel. The prophecy had four points. The first, he says, before the face of, he will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. We can apply each and every single one of these points to us. What does it mean to go before the face of the Lord? What does it mean as we start 2024 that each and every single one of us would go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways? So it's very interesting that the idea of going before the face of the Lord is something biblical. We see this when in Genesis, when Moses, the prophet, went up on the mountain and before he received the Ten Commandments, or as he was receiving the commandments, he stood face to face with the Lord. Something happened to him. Something very strange happened to him. When he stood in front of the Lord, something changed. His physical appearance changed. He was radiating light. He wasn't able, at that point, people couldn't look at him because there was, he was too bright. His face to face with God changed who he was. As we start the new year, let's make an effort to stand face to face before God. What does that mean practically? The first thing it means is that when I stand face to face before God, I'm exposing myself. I stand before God, I look at God as if I'm looking at a mirror and I see Christ, and when I look at Christ honestly, I start to repent. Repentance doesn't come off by looking at the right answers and checking off, seeing what, which ones we got wrong. Kind of like if you're checking your own test or your own homework. That's not repentance. Repentance is looking at Christ, seeing His glory, seeing His life, seeing who He is, and comparing ourselves. And if we do that, if we look at Christ, then we ourselves are changed. But not only that, he says, as you go in the light, as you go uh, prepare the face of the Lord, before the face of the Lord, to prepare his ways. Many of us, sometimes we look to the people around us, whether it's family members or friends, 
or co-workers or neighbors or whoever. And the first thing we want to do is fix them. We say, oh, you know what so-and-so is doing? It's very wrong. They shouldn't do this. I shared this before. Sometimes somebody would come to confession and they would say, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did this. And then, you know, my parents did this and my friends did this and I, I did this. like, and, and basically name the sins of everybody else. And then they want an absolution. And I said, I can't give you an absolution. Go get everybody else that you confessed for and I'll absolve them. You didn't confess. You blamed everybody else. And truly, in order to truly repent, we must first be one-on-one -on -one with God. And once we are transformed, those around us will be transformed as well. The second thing we see is he says, St. John's responsibility is to give knowledge of salvation to his people. To give knowledge of salvation to his people. This is very important. This idea of, of, of giving knowledge requires us to receive knowledge. As we enter 2024, I encourage everybody to make an effort to receive knowledge. What does it mean to receive knowledge? Receiving knowledge means to spend more time reading, to spend more time asking questions, to st spend more time not just opening the Bible, but studying the Bible, going deeper into the writings of the fathers, going deeper into certain topics that we might have questions about, but we never really jumped into. To receive the knowledge, to receive the knowledge, but remember here, he doesn't just say to just get smarter, right? Just to receive knowledge. This is knowledge of salvation. The idea of what, what information do I need? What knowledge do I need for salvation in order for me to share it with others? It's not enough to just hoard information, to get information. This isn't, Christianity is not a competition. It's about us receiving so that we can share. Freely we receive, freely we give. So as we receive more information, we give. And that giving is known as service. When you receive something and you give it, that's service. We sometimes complicate the word, we complicate the word service. We turn the word service into this like, this promotion that you get in, in church. But service is just receiving from God and giving. And that's what St. John is called to do, and he does. And that's what we, are, we ourselves are called to do. The next thing we see is he's, asked, he's called to give light to those who sit in darkness. This is a very difficult one. To give light to those who sit in darkness. This requires a few things. First, it requires us to be a light. Like if we go into 2024 and we say, okay, I want to prepare, I want to be before the face of the Lord. I want to repent. And I want to gain knowledge of salvation. 
The third thing is, I want to become light. I want to become a light. What does that mean? The understanding of how we become light is to get closer to the one who is light. His light like rub, rubs off on us, right? Like if you look at all the saints, there's something very unique about them. They all have halos. You look, they have the semicircle on top of their head, right? They have the halo. What does the halo stand for in the icon? It means that light is shown. Whose light? It's God's light. It's not like they have their own light. He's the source, and they are reflecting God's light. And as we enter into this new year, in order for us to shine light into people, into the areas and people who sit in darkness, we ourselves have to become light. Like if somebody is sitting in a dark room and I just walk in to a dark room, it's still a dark room. Nothing changed. They can't see more now that I walked in. But if I am walking in with a flashlight, now I'm bringing light to wherever those who are in need. But what does it mean to bring light? It means to bring Christ. If I'm united with Christ, if I'm living a godly life, that in itself transforms the place where I am. Wherever I go should be a holy place. Not that the place is holy, but that I am holy because I'm living with God and anywhere I go becomes a holy place. The last thing is the child grew and became strong in spirit. It's not, the spiritual life is not a sudden, all of a sudden, I am spiritual today. I am a godly person today, that's it, it's done. It's a process. The child grew, just like a child grows in, in stature and in, in, in their development, we in our spirits also grow and develop. Now, what does it mean? And what is required for our development? It's exactly what we're doing here today. Uniting with Christ at the altar, partaking of his body and blood, listening to the scriptures, doing acts of love. All of these help us grow in our spirit, just like the prophecy about St. John, that he continued and continues to grow in his in the spirit. It's really important that we look at this and we don't just say, oh, this is a great gospel about St. John. This is awesome. He's a great person. He is, but he's an example for all of us. And I feel like it comes at the perfect time as we start the new year to say, okay, how can I forget being like St. John? I'm not asking everybody to go into the wilderness and eat locusts and that's not what it means, but it means, how am I going to grow in the spirit? How am I going to be a light? How am I going to grow in knowledge? And how am I going to go before the face of the Lord and, and live a life of repentance? As we enter into this new year, it's a matter of what we want it to be. What this year, what we want this new year, 
new year to look like? Everybody's making resolutions, right? Some of them are physical resolutions. I'm going to lose this amount of weight. I'm going to go to the gym this amount of times. I'm going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. Whatever the case may be. But also, the spiritual life requires decisions, a desire. And this desire is planted in front of us here. The, the pathways in, in, we're invited to, to live this life, but it's up to us to do it. Let's use this new year and this new start to look at St. John as an example, to prepare to be in front of the Lord's face, to repent, to learn, uh, gain knowledge and share knowledge of salvation, to become light and share light, and to grow uh, in the spirit as we also bring others along with us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.